Oh, man. Happy Sunday, everybody. Y'all doing okay? Yeah, man. It's a great day to be here together and to enjoy some connection. Uh, it's good to get to share time together and share life together. Uh, I'm so thankful for Kristen and Dawn and their leadership. Aren't you guys thankful for them? So grateful. Drew and his lovely bride are on their way to celebrate another wedding in Costa Rica. Anybody jealous? I know, right? Don't worry. The customs line that they're currently standing is, is in incredibly long right now. Drew texted me just a while ago and said he's pretty sure the front of the line got there yesterday. So anyway, it's a pretty, pretty wild deal, but, uh, but man, you guys pray for them as they go and enjoy some time before the wedding uh, on vacation, and then they're going to be there uh, at the wedding and just celebrate a family wedding there, a destination wedding. It's all the rage these days, right? Uh, and so anyway, they're going to enjoy their time there, and so we're so thankful for, for Kristen's going to be leading the charge for this week and next week for us, and uh, so, so grateful for that, and so um, thank you guys uh, for honoring us. Uh, uh, the Lord through them in worship and responding to his presence, no matter what's going on uh, in your life right now. Uh, you guys heard the, the jokes about pastors and golf before, right? You know, the pastors that play a lot of golf and they spend a lot of time with the green family and things like that. You know, you've heard these things. You've not heard these pastor jokes before. <sighs> well, you know, I mean, sometimes you may hear a pastor say they got visitation. They got visitation with the green family. Sad, isn't it? It's just ridiculous. Well, so, so I, was at, I was playing golf. I don't ever play golf, but just for the record, I was playing golf like 10 years ago with my brother. And uh, he'd invited me up to Fort Hood and I'd gone up uh, with him because they were having this first Cav golf tournament. And so as I arrived there, um, I'm, I just am always intrigued by the military. I didn't know the military would get together and have golf tournaments. Anybody know that? They do this occasionally. And it's a fundraiser that they're doing this for. It's just like normal life, but it's the military doing this. Anyway, so they're having this golf tournament and I show up and then all of a sudden, all of these soldiers are giving this one particular soldier a really hard time. And I mean, they're just ragging on him and everything. They're like, and then I find out he's the chaplain. And so they're just messing with this chaplain, having a great time. And the chaplain looks at them, doesn't even miss a beat. And he says, the ministry of presence, brothers. And dude, they all just shut up. It was awesome because they knew he had them. It's like, hey, look, I'm not here to play golf. I'm here to be with you. And it was just this moment of, dude, they thought they had him. They were giving him a hard time about being a minister and all this kind of thing and playing golf. And, and he better not be any good because that means he's spending too much time on the golf course, not enough time ministering to soldiers and all that kind of thing. He had him, man, the ministry of presence. You know, it reminds me of another story about this little girl who was scared to death at night. Anybody ever been afraid there's been monsters in the closet or under the bed or anything like that? Yeah, so this little girl, she was scared to death that there were monsters in her room. And so she didn't want to go to sleep and so she'd go out and she'd get her mom and dad and bring her mom and dad back into the room and just say, mom and dad, I'm, I'm scared. And so the mom and dad would pray for her and they would just say, it's going to be okay. You're not alone. You don't have to fear because Jesus is with you. I mean, we, we've, we've had this conversation, right, at times in our lives with different people in different scenarios. And here she is and she's, she's like, okay, okay. And so she goes to tries to go back to sleep. And, you know, three minutes later, she's back up and she's talking to her mom and dad. And she's like, mom, dad, I'm scared. There's monsters in the room. And they're like, no, hang on, honey. Let's go back into your room. And I'm going to open the doors. I'm going to pull back the covers. We're going to look at all this stuff. I'm going to show you that there's no monsters in your room. 
And so she's like, okay. And so they go back and they show them all this stuff. And then they pray for her again, just for the courage of the Lord to be in her. And man, she's just, she's, she's feeling bold. And she's like, okay, I can go to sleep now. I'm good to go. And so she, she tries to go back to sleep. And the next thing you know, you know, they, three minutes, five minutes later, she's back out. Him and her mom and dad are starting to get frustrated at this point now. And they're like, man, this is getting to be too much. And they're like, we're thinking we're needing to Benadryl or something like that for this kid. But, um, but they're like, they're like, okay, so, so let's, we're going to pray again. Just remember, you are not alone. Jesus is with you. And the little girl looks at mom and dad and didn't miss a beat. She goes, yeah, but I want Jesus with skin on. Oh, doesn't that just, I want you, mom and dad. I want Jesus with skin on to be in this room with me, to help me feel safe and to help me feel like I'm not alone. And so if you just stay in this room with me, I'm okay. What a, what a powerful phrase and what a, just out of the mouth of babes, these amazing words of wisdom come. This is the ministry of presence. This is that moment where, yeah, we know we're not alone, but isn't it true that every now and then, even though we know we're not alone, we're not by ourselves, we need people to remind us that we're not by ourselves. We need somebody right next to us saying, you can do this, we got this together. It's, you're not on your own, you're not by yourself, you're not losing your mind, you're not whatever the case may be. I got you, I'm with you, we need Jesus with skin on. Because it's one thing to say, I got Jesus in my life. It's another thing to feel Jesus' presence, isn't it? To know that Jesus genuinely is there. And sometimes we just need the person with some skin on that comforts. And that just is the body of Christ in that moment in our lives. Y'all, this is called the ministry of presence. And tonight we're continuing a really pretty cool time that we've been in as a church where we've been kind of circling the wagons, all right? We've been reminding ourselves of just how badly we need each other and how badly we need to be for each other and to, and to, to kind of wrap our minds and our arms around one another and be in this thing together in order to build the faith. Because man, we've taken some shots over the last two years. There's some incredible shots taken where we have to be separated and then we come back together and then we're separated again and we come back together again. And then there's just the weirdness of masks or not masks and all these kind of things, vaccines, not vaccines, political unrest and not unrest and all this kind of stuff. It's been a tough couple of years. It's been hard. And so we got to build this, we got to kind of strengthen and work out these faith muscles Again, and so we've been asking ourselves a question over the last few weeks. We've been asking ourselves this question. What is my responsibility in helping those on the outside move to the inside? Those that over the last couple of years, they just kind of, no fault of their own, they just kind of made their way kind of to the outside and they're kind of on the outside watching, watching life go by in the arena. There's kind of this, this thing and what is my responsibility in helping them on the outside move to the inside? Oh, I'm a believer. Did y'all hear that? Okay, anyway, so, so Scott, I think we've got some, some stuff going through the... Man, this is awesome. I'm going to come over here so we can hear what kind of music we got playing. Anyway, we'll enjoy the background music while we, uh, while we continue. So the last thing is, is that we want to celebrate this ever-increasing importance of building a better life by transitioning from me over to we. And so we want to work, we want to work hard at, at kind of taking that M and rotating it 180 degrees to we. 
And so when we live life rather than me focused, we live life we focused, life gets better because it's not just about what I want. And when we step outside of ourselves, things change in that. And we do all of this in order to build something called the faith. I'm not talking about just building our faith, building up our faith, strengthening our faith muscles, but we want to build the faith, this understanding of the bride of Christ, the church, those that we're in this thing together with. We want to build the faith. And so let's read Hebrews chapter 11.1 1 as the faith, not just building up faith. So Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, proof of things not seen. And so we read it with the definite article there and it becomes the faith, right? Here is the faith. The faith is the people who are assured, the people who are sure of things hoped for. They are the proof of things not seen. And so you and me, we read that passage and we think about our faith and we think about, okay, am I sure of afterlife? Am I sure of the future? Am I sure that God is with me? Am I sure all of these things that reassure us as Christ followers, am I sure of those? And then we take this to think, okay, wait a minute, I got to think about this thing bigger than just me. Because faith is not just about the individual, it's about the collection of individuals, right? The family of families. And so there's the faith. And so together, are we sure? confident, 100%, you know that we together, we are sure of things hoped for. We're sure of it. See, it's one thing for us to be sure of it. Now here's the question. Are you proof? Is Legacy Church proof? Do we give evidence? Do we give credit? Do we give the story do we tell this story of the things that are not seen and our lives give proof to the fact that Jesus really is who Jesus said he was? Jesus really is who the church has gravitated towards and centered life around, not because we're weak-minded spiritual people who need a spiritual crutch, no, but because we are certain. Because our lives give evidence to this things not seen Things are different for you. Things are different for me. Things are different for those who believe in Jesus. Even in sin, even in difficulty, even in all the ugly of life, there's still a difference. There's still something there. See, Hebrews 11.1, 1, this, is, this is us. This is who we're supposed to be. And so when we're together, so let me remind you some phrases that we've used up to this point. First phrase is this. None of us is as strong as all of us. That's a true statement, isn't it? There's not a single person in here who by yourself, you are as strong as all of us put together. There's no way. There's not a single person in this room. None of us is as strong as all of us. None of us is smart as all of us. None of us is wealthy as all of us. None of us is whatever. You know, put whatever you want to put in there. You can't do it on your own. You can try, but none of us are as strong as all of us. We've said phrases like, there's nothing you will do that will make me love you any less. Why? Because we're sure. We're sure of the things hoped for. And relationships don't rise and fall life. Because we've, we've seen it. 
proof in the family. We've seen it in individual lives. We've seen the proof. And there's a whole lot you can do that'll make me not like you very much. Absolutely. Whole lot that I'll do that'll make you not like me very much. Absolutely. But there's nothing you'll do that makes me love you any less. Because there's nothing we can do to make God love us any less. There's also nothing we can do to make God love us any more. See, these are important phrases for us to grab as we're circling these wagons and reminding ourselves who we are. And so my question as we get cranking this evening is this. Who is your quote-unquote let us person that is on the outside that needs to move to the inside? And those of you that are sitting here kind of going, let us, I don't get it. We'll get there. I'm going to explain it here in just a second. Who is your let us person that's on the outside that needs to move to the inside? Our truth for tonight, the key truth, if we get nothing else, let's get this one. And we need to say this in our, in our caveman voice, okay? Me, need, we. So all together, we're going to say, me, need, we, in a caveman voice. Can we do that together? All right? Now, don't be a fuddy-duddy and sit there and not participate. That's a loser. Don't do that. Okay? Don't be like that. Okay? Be, be awesome. Be fun. Be cool. Let's do this thing together. In your best caveman voice. I have no idea what a caveman voice sounds like, but let's do our best. In your best caveman voice, we're going to say, me, need, we. Ready? One, two, three. Me, need, we. I have no idea what a caveman sounds like. What's a caveman sound like? Anyway, it was fun, but the truth is, me, need, we. I need you. You need me. We need to be in this thing together because, man, we're a whole lot stronger when we do this thing together than if we try to go at this thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. When you go Lone Ranger Christianity, it never works out positively. It always works out with destruction at the end. I promise you. Don't do it. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have this great priest over the house of God, here it is, let us, ready, the first of three, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Number two, let us. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Faith, right? For he who promised is faithful. And then our third, let us, the one we've been focused on. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. We've been talking about it. That spurring on is more like how we may irritate one another. How we may provoke one another in this life, toward provoking love and irritating good deeds. I know you're sitting there kind of going, man, some of you are sitting here scratching your head, and you're like, I, I really still don't get this. It's important for us to wrap our minds around this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards a love that spurs others on just by its nature how we may be a bit irritating in our love to one another in the fact that you can't run me off. I can't run you off. It's a little irritating because maybe you've been successful at that through your life, that you can push people away. But we as the church, you can't run us off. And so there's this irritating love there that then spurs a person on to have that same type of commitment, that same type of devotion one to another with someone else that then they get irritated about it, but they can't do without it. And so they then pass on this irritating love to other people. This is the way of Jesus. 
This is the way of the Christ. This is how we as the church spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Our good deeds are not just to earn points. Our good deeds are a reflection of Christ in us, this irritation love that's in us. We can't help but give to other people. We can't help it. And then tonight, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, this last couple of years has been really easy to kind of give up. It's been really easy to sit on a couch and enjoy some pancakes while watching the, the church. It's been really awesome and, and amazing to be able to kind of be at, be at Hawaiian Falls while church is happening, and I can just tune in on my phone and be at church. And it's, 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 been, it's become very convenient to do these things, and it's important for us to not give up meeting together. Now, we can have the argument, you're right, we meet online all the time, that's very true, but there's nothing that's the same online than in person. And it's very important for us to understand Jesus with skin on. It's very important for us to understand how important it is that we need one another. And here's how this, here's how this really plays out. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We're going to talk about that next week. All the more as you see the day that Jesus is going to return approaching. It's so important that we understand togetherness and how important it is that we spend time together. Let me tell you Terry's story. See, Terry's story, 10 years ago, there was a bad experience that left Terry feeling betrayed, feeling let down by the church. And so she quit. So many have done this. If church meant rejection and disappointment, then she didn't want to go anymore. Who would, right? Others were hurt too, and she couldn't accept it. She felt justified in her decision because she could be at home and she could still read her Bible. She could still pray. She could be generous with her finances. She could do all of those things. Talking with Christian friends. And in her mind, the church didn't need her, and she didn't need the church. A conclusion that has been drawn time and time again. But something happened in Terry's life because over time there were some things that started happening. She felt just, just weren't right. There was space in her life that, that seemed to be empty. And she couldn't understand what it was. What she realized was she wasn't doing well on her own. She didn't gravitate towards thinking positively about other people when she was isolated by herself. She found herself thinking and assuming the worst about people. What she realized is, is that this weekly gathering that she used to be a part of was a part of helping her see people differently. And she wasn't doing well without that gathering. So she decided to give the church a go again. To try again. And she learned something very important. She learned that the church was not made up of perfect people, but the church was made up of imperfect people just like her. People that didn't naturally gravitate towards the positive, but when they were, they were together, there was a different result than by themselves. She learned that people make mistakes she learned that people who love Jesus jump to conclusions too quickly. 
She learned that hurt people hurt other people in their hurt. And she learned that the church, God brings flawed people together in order to help one another be better. That's the purpose of the church. And even though the church doesn't always get it right, God uses the church to ultimately bring love, bring encouragement, and bring healing into people's lives. And so the conclusion that Terry drew throughout this time in her life is that not only does she need the church, but she also learned the church needs her. The church is not the same without her. There's a Terry-sized hole without her. This is an important story for all of us to wrap our minds around. I heard years ago at a training I was at called the Global Leadership Summit. I love this because this is a, a leadership summit where the business world and the church world come together and we talk about leadership development. It's a wonderful gathering of people. And it's a great, great, great mission that we're in this thing together. Well, there was um, the leader of the GLS years ago was Bill Hybels. And Bill coined this phrase. It's a very important phrase. I think it's changed my worldview when it comes to the church when I heard this phrase. And here's the phrase, the local church is the hope of the world. Do we realize that? Do we realize the responsibility that we have as the church? The local church is the hope of the world. We're Jesus with skin on, guys. We're Jesus with skin on. We get this responsibility of sharing this good news and this gospel. And we get to share life together with people where people can attain the things that they dream of. They get to experience the things that they're really hoping for. The local church is the hope of the world. The local church, believe it or not, no matter what your experience is, believe it or not, the local church has what everybody craves in this world but just seems out of reach. The local church has it. It has what every single person in this world craves but seems just out of reach. The church has togetherness, goodness, fullness of life, a future. Church has a hope that not all is lost and it's just not worth living anymore. It's where everyone, what everyone wants becomes attainable, to be a part of something bigger than self, to be guaranteed victory. Everybody wants that. Unlimited chances Unconditional love, forgiveness, security, respect, approval, attention, comfort, and support. The church has all of this as proof Jesus really is who Jesus said he was. It's all here, and all of this is available. This is the point. Me need we. Because without we, me is incomplete. Incomplete. I'm trying to run this life as a full life on my own, and it's not possible. We got to do this thing together. I need us. I need, I need us to provoke me to love people with a provoking love. You need me to provoke you, irritate you a little bit to have this irritating love that people just can't shake you because you're just going to keep loving them. You're going to keep loving them over and over and over again, unconditionally, unlimited chances with hope and forgiveness and all this stuff. We need each other for this, this provoking deeds. We need to keep laying our lives down for people, keep crawling up on the cross like Jesus did, laying his life down for us. We continue to do the same thing, 
and it provokes and irritates other people to do the same thing for others. It's the snowball effect that it keeps going. And then, yes, we want to have provoking togetherness where we just can't not be together. It feels wrong if we're somewhere else on, at 5 o'clock on a Sunday evening. But we find ourselves somewhere and we go, oh, crud. I love the vacation I'm at right now, but something feels off. I love the concert I'm at right now, but man, something feels off. I love the meal that I'm getting to share right now, but something feels off. I love being with my family, but something feels off. Because we need this gathering. We need one another so bad. And this paints the picture of the target. It paints the picture of the proof, the goal. Because y'all, you want to know the most effective way for people who don't love Jesus to know there is a Jesus? It's when you and I move from me to we. It's the most effective way for people that don't know Jesus to, to, to realize the proof of who Jesus is. We move from me to we. When we love each other unconditionally and we live life together from a place that there is nothing you can do that will make me love you any less. And there's nothing I can do that will make you love me any less. There's nothing you can do that will make me love you any more. And there's nothing I can do that will make you love me any more. Guys, this is a powerful reality because everybody on this planet wants this and wants to do this. Everyone wants this and wants to do this. And the local church is the gathering of where this is possible. Local church is the hope of the world. John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. And so may I provoke you for a moment. May I irritate you for just a moment. May I frustrate you with a love that is important for us to wrap our minds around. Because it's, it's important for us not to just throw the word love around and assume everyone knows what this means. And so let's, let's irritate one another a bit as I irritate you with 1 Corinthians 13. This is what we're talking about. So this irritating love, this unconditional love that we love one another with, and that is love is patient. We are kind. We're not envious of one another. We celebrate each other. Victories, we cheer one another on. We don't boast. We're not looking down our nose at each other, feeling better than somebody else. No, 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 that's not love. Not proud. This pride, this arrogance that I've got things together and if you just would get your stuff together, we'd be better off. No, no, that's not love. That's pride. This love that does not dishonor others, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered. Slow to anger. Keeps no record of wrongs or record of rights. Doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Here's how everyone will know. Always protects always trusts. You trust everybody in this room? Do you trust Christ in everybody in this room? This is important. Always hopes. Certain. And always perseveres. Because we know how the story ends. This is the love. This is the hope that this world that we live in is desperately desiring. And we have it. <laughs> we have it. We just get to exercise it. So church, hear these, hear these last words here. 
No one naturally gravitates towards the good, especially in isolation. If you are in isolation and you are separated from someone, if there's a challenge between two people, it will never get better by you separating because no one ever gravitates towards the good. And so if you think, hey, I'm just gonna test to see how much the church loves me, so I'm gonna spend some time away and see if somebody reaches out to me. See, that's a, that's a recipe for you to just be completely disappointed because whenever you separate from the church, what ends up happening there is you always will assume the worst. That's why it's so important that we gather together every single week because whenever we get in the context with one another, we get to talk with each other about things, easy things, hard things, in between things, we tend to gravitate towards the good of God because it's impossible for us to pray together and think the worst. There's this, there's this togetherness. No one naturally gravitates towards the good. Isolated people always gravitate towards impatience, envy, dishonor, selfishness, anger, all that kind of thing. Just check out social media over the last two years. Nobody gravitates towards the positive when we're in our own as a keyboard warrior, right? Nobody does that. Everybody gravitates towards the yuck, the train wreck, the car wreck, whatever the case may be. And everybody thinks their opinion is now truth when we're by ourselves. But when we get together, Things are different, aren't they? Things change when people gather. You see my faults, I see your faults. And with this ministry of presence that we get to share with one another, with this provoking love, where it's like, God, these people love me and I am a fool. I'm an idiot. I'm a selfish jerk. These people love me. Why in the world is that? I'm opinionated, I'm hard to handle, it's all these, but they love me. It's almost irritating. Exactly provoking love. And consequently, you get better. I get better. You see the intent of my actions. I see the intent of your actions. And things get better. You see, church, you need Jesus with skin on. You need it. We need one another. Me need we. We need one another. You see, there was a little while back, I got asked a question from my counselor, and it was a, just a brilliant question. It's actually been years ago, and I've been so thankful for this because it's been a really life-changing question that the counselor asked me. And so, so painting the picture, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm early on in the life of Legacy Church. This is about 10 years ago, okay? And so early on in the life of Legacy Church, and man, the church planting thing, it kind of had me, and I was struggling and everything. So I go to the counselor, I'm talking to the counselor, and the counselor asks me a question. The counselor says, Danny, let me ask you this. Do you need the church? Man, you know, here I am. I'm like, well, I know what my answer is supposed to be, you know, and I'm so sad that I had to even think about it in that moment. But I was so busy doing all the things, doing all the stuff I'm supposed to do, that I, that I hadn't let just the gravity of what was happening settle in to where I was recognizing the need for this body that we know as the church. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I am so thankful the counselor asked me that question because I have, I have gravitated back to that question over and over and over again as the Lord just reminds me that this is, this is such, a, such a privilege to be a part of this body. Such an amazing gift that Jesus with skin on really exists. And guess what? It's not me. You are Jesus with skin on in my life. I hope I am in your life 
This is a powerful thing. So can I ask you a question tonight? Do you need the church? My second question is simply this. Why or why not? This is a great question for you to take with you this evening. In just a moment, we're going to do a, we're going to, we're going to have a response time. It's a great question to wrestle with and just kind of think, man, do I need it? Do I, do I contain all of these things that we've been talking about tonight? Is that already in my life as an individual? Am I okay? Am I better by myself or am I better with the church? Am I better on my own or am I better together with other people that are on a, on a similar mission and a similar path that I'm on? You know, do you need the church? Why? Or why not? Because here's the, the truth here. There are some of you that are still on the outside and you need to move to the inside. There's some of you that are still kind of with an optional thought process when it comes to the church. And whenever you're gone on a Sunday night, it doesn't feel weird. It just feels kind of like it's a Sunday night. It needs to feel weird for you to be somewhere else than here. I'm not saying you should never be somewhere else than here. I'm just saying it should feel off. It should feel like something's missing. So the question is, do you need the church? Is something missing in your life if you don't have us in your life? Why or why not? Some of you need to move to the inside to intertwine your roots with others, to commit to worshiping weekly with the church, coming back, being a part of the body, being devoted, not just to the church, but also being devoted in small group to legacy groups. Is things, are things weird for you at 3.30 on a Sunday afternoon right now? Because you're not a part of a legacy group yet? But you used to be a part of a small group back in the day, but you're not right now? We need one another. We need to disciple and be making disciples together in that time together. This is an important piece of the puzzle because none of us are as strong as all of us, me, need, we. And so let us consider together this evening how we may spur one another on towards love and the sharing of this ministry of presence because we need each other. We need Jesus with skin on. And so two more questions and we're done. Who's your person? Who is your person that God is provoking you to provoke to come to the inside? Who's the person? Who's the one that's been echoing in your mind as we've been asking this question? Or maybe this is the first time you're hearing it. Who is your person that comes to mind when I ask the question, who is God provoking you to provoke to come to the inside of the body? And why has God placed them as your person? Why is that? Just ask the Lord. Would you consider, consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day of Jesus approaching. Father, we love you. We praise your name tonight. And Lord, we're sitting here, and this is that, this is that provocation that you talk about here. And Lord, it feels uncomfortable, and it feels encouraging, and it feels, it feels a, little, a little bit um, uh, strange. But also, Lord, it's like, oh, man, yay, somebody cares enough to say it. And so, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your word, but thank you for your truth. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us to, to look at one another and to, and to declare one to another, I need you. 
I need Christ in you. I need, because I am better. I think better. I do better. I love better. I, I, I work better. I do all these things when we're together as opposed to when I'm on my own trying to give this thing a go. And so wherever you are, Lord, wherever you are in the lives of those that are hearing these words tonight, Lord, will you show yourself? Will you shine your light? Will you expose the truth? And Lord, may the truth set us free. Me, need, we. I pray this through the name of Jesus. Amen.